Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. We've been in a series. Uh, we started this series called House. And you'll remember on the first Sunday that I read to you uh, from the text that said, and it's in Psalm chapter 127, it says, Unless the Lord build the house, the builders labor in vain. And we've been reading that to you out of the Message Bible that says, Unless God builds the house, all we do is we build shacks. We don't want to build a shack. God is trying to establish a beautiful house here, and he's using us. God doesn't live in concrete and steel. He lives in physical people. He, God is in you. And he lives in you, and he places us together and builds a house or a body. And you, I told you that to, in order to live uh, effectively and to be blessed, that to live in that house, you have to operate according to the rules that God has put in place. Because God is never obligated to live in something he did not build. That's what's wrong with a lot of churches in America. We build them, and then we ask God to come and bless what we've done. It doesn't work that way. God only blesses what he builds. And so we said we've got to build it according to his rules, his standards, his stipulations. His rules are authority. And we've talked about that, and I said there are three authority figures that God uses. You will remember authority figure number one. We're doing a test right now. I didn't do this first service. I let them off the hook. I'm going to do it to you. What's the number one authority figure in our lives? God's word, that's right. We live our lives and we establish this house based upon the word of God. It is preeminent and the most prominent thing in our life. Therefore, if God says something in his word, it's black and white. We do it. We don't argue. We don't negotiate. We don't wiggle room. There's none of that. We just line our lives up to God's word and do what he says to do. How hard is that? And then there's a second authority figure, our conscience. You'll remember I told you that God places in us a peace level. And you know whether or not you're doing what you're supposed to be doing because somehow, someway, God inherently has placed in us an internal referee that blows the whistle when we get out of line. You remember that? And so we live and we follow our peace. And if there's no peace, we stop and back up. And then last week, Woody did a great job, and he ministered to us out of the Word of God, and this is the one that a lot of us have problems with, and it kind of flies in the face of traditional church, and we, we struggle with this. He told us that the third authority figure in our lives is delegated authority. In other words, there are people who God has assigned to your life that are supposed to have authority, uh, is supposed to have authority for your life. For instance, some of you, it might be a pastor, it might be a teacher at work, it might be a boss, it might be some relationship that's in your life, and God has specifically grabbed those folks, assigned them to you, placed them in your life to be able to speak with authority over you. All right, now here's the caveat. You remember, what happens if our conscience flies in the face of God's word? Who wins? The word, right? The word is preeminent. What happens if a pastor, a teacher, a boss, a co-worker that has authority over you stands up and tells you to do something that is contrary to God's word? Who wins? God's word. We line up to God's word. So we've been talking about those authority issues. Well, this morning, I want to go a little bit diff different direction, and I want to talk to you about another thing that causes you to live effectively and productively in the, in a house. Now, I need to take you back to my childhood because you need to understand that for me to be an effective member of my natural house, where my mom and dad were the authority figures, I had to learn what I'm going to talk to you about today. Here's a word you never hear anymore. 
manners. I had to know house manners in order to be able to sit down without pain. I'm so scarred. Could we just have, have a few moments of prayer for pastor because he's just so scarred. My, my life is wrecked. No, by learning manners, I matured. And so in order for me to live productively and effectively in my natural house, I had to learn some manners. Let me give you four examples. Number one, I had to learn that I couldn't talk with my mouth full. If I was chewing food and wanted to enter a conversation, my mom would stop me and say, no, 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 don't talk with your mouth full, and I'd have to wait. Y'all still teach that? I, okay, just want to check. I'll make sure y'all carrying out traditions, all right? The second one was, the, and I know we don't even do this one. Part of it we do, part of it we don't. You'll understand it in a second. The second manner that I had to learn was that uh, I couldn't get up from the dinner table until everybody was finished. Now, we don't do that one anymore because we don't always eat dinner together. But there was a second part of it, too, and that is that when I finished and we were all done, I had to pick up my plate. Here's a good one to teach your children. I had to pick up my plate and walk it to the sink and make sure it was clean. Y'all still teaching that one? All right, just want to make sure that I couldn't do it. Uh, the third one was that when, when I would meet someone that was older than me, I could not call them by their first name. Now, it's different here than it is out east, and I'll explain. Here, as I was growing up, if I met somebody that was older than me in the, in the church world, I had to call them brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Then I moved east and uh, discovered that when you address somebody that's older than you, you have to call them Mr. or Mrs., that's why, to this day, I call Danny Mr. Danny because uh, he's so much older than me. I had to pick on Danny. I, he taught me a lesson this morning. I mean, he turned me off, so you don't mess with the sound man too much. Then, then there was this biggie. This was like the, the pinnacle, the, the upper echelon of manners. Here you go. When I was going into a building, if there was a woman coming either behind me or in front of me, I was obligated by house manners to open the door for the woman. If I didn't, y'all don't even know the implications. And In fact, to this day, when I go, I, I was at the post office the other day, and I was inside, there was a lady coming from the outside, and I reached out, and I opened the door, and I stood back, and she said, no, come on out. And I looked at her and said, no. And she said, no, really, come on. I said, no. And she wouldn't budge. And finally, I looked at her, and this is still my line to, the, to this day. I looked at her, and I said, do you understand that if I don't let you in this door, for my mom would kill me? It's just the truth. Those were the house manners that I was instructed to live by. Now, manners is different. Defined are defined as this social conduct or rules of conduct. And so I want you to understand that whatever happens in the natural only reflects what happens in the supernatural. And we live our lives in our families, in our individual houses based on house manners. And there are manners that are dictated and stipulated by God that we must know in order to live effectively and not be reprimanded. Because Woody said it right last week. God knows how to reprimand us. And his reprimand is much more severe than our natural parents. And so I don't... I want you to be able to sit down without pain. I want you to live effectively and productively and be blessed and covered in the house. And the only way to do that is to learn 
the manners. Now, there are all kinds of manners, and I could preach for weeks uh, for manners about uh, on manners because I could talk to you about uh, manners dictating how we worship because it does list that. I could talk to you about the manners and how we deal with government and all of those kind of manners. But this morning what I want to do is I want to hone in on four manners that are de- deal with how we treat one another. Because here's the reality. I've discovered something. If we treat each other right... It's usually a reflection of the fact that our relationship with God is right. Because I've also discovered that if our relationship with God is wrong, we don't treat each other right. And so I want us to deal with manners. Now, let me, let me give you some, some background, not background, but maybe a foundation and, and show you that, that it is in God's word that there are manners. There are house manners. In fact, you'll know in the New Testament in in Corinthians, Paul was dealing with a church that he helped start in Corinth, and it was chaos. I know you've never gone to that church, but it was chaos. All the loons came out of the woodwork, and people were doing whatever they wanted to do in church, and it was crazy. And Paul writes them and says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Manners. And then Paul comes behind that and he writes his spiritual son Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 and he says this. He says, but if I'm delayed, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, manners, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of, and ground of the truth. Look at your neighbor and say, mind your manners. Come on, tell them. Mind your manners. So how should we treat one another? What manners uh, overrule and rule over us so that we treat each other uh, the way we're supposed to? Four manners. Now, I told Woody that just to prove that who his daddy is, because he was giving me a hard time yesterday, or last week about the Ely's have this. That's, I'm an Ely, by the way. We have this tendency as we preach to alliterate everything, and I haven't alliterated anything in a long time. So just to prove to Woody that I'm his daddy, he had three points alliterated. I'm going to do four. Mine are going to all start with R's. Okay, I really didn't do that, but it just kind of worked that way. But I've been giving Woody a hard time all, all day. So anyway, we're going to deal with four manners. Here you go. Manner number one that we have to live by in the house of God. Here, are you ready? We must have regard. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Right, what does that mean? Well, let me read it to you out of a different version. This may make more sense. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Think about this now. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. So what does that mean? That means that Paul is saying to us that at some point in the relationship with Jesus, they viewed him from where he came from, or they viewed him as a natural human being and said he's a carpenter's son, or they viewed him according to his past. But a moment came in the life and the relationship where they begin to view him out of spiritual eyes and understand that he's not where he came from. He's not what happened to him. He's not all of that. He's not natural. He's supernatural. And if the apostles and the disciples had to learn that lesson to deal and to view Jesus appropriately, how much more should we have to learn that lesson to deal with each other appropriately? If the disciples had to go, Jesus was from Nazareth. 
How does that work, God? I, I don't view him appropriate. If they looked at Jesus and said, he made a C on his fourth grade math test. How does that line up? If they looked at Jesus and said, he's got a pimple. Oh, I know y'all have never thought about Jesus like this because you've only seen the pictures of him where he glows. But he was human too, you know. If they had to look at Jesus and go, man, he's got gastrointestinal problems because he ate pizza at 12 o'clock last night and he's having problems today. But I can view all of that and I can look deeper in him and understand that he's not just a man, but deep inside of him there's God. And somehow after I look past all of that, I look deep in him and recognize that he's more than a man. He's Messiah. He's the son of the living God. If they have to do that for Jesus, we got to learn to do that for each other. Because, see, here's the issue. If I'm not careful, I look at you after the flesh. And I got news for you. As pretty as you are right now and dressed, dressed up as nice as you are right now, there are days you get on my nerves. There are days you do things I don't like. There are days that you bother me. But that's all right because there are days, and I'm very aware of this, that I bother you. But we're not supposed to regard one another after the flesh anymore. We're so, you're supposed to be able to look at me and look past the preacher shirt and look past all that other stuff and look deep down inside of me and understand that there is Jesus down on the inside of me and you're supposed to regard me after the Spirit and I'm supposed to regard you after the Spirit. See, I, I know I asked you this several months ago. I want to ask you this question again. Because if we're not careful, I will look at you by your past. I will look at your, at your abilities and your talents. And I will regard you according to those things. And I will miss the destiny that is in you for me. You may be an assigned person to me. And I may miss it if I only regard you after the flesh. Let me ask you this question this morning. What if your destiny is wrapped up in someone you don't like? What if, what if you're sitting on the other side of the room from somebody because you can't stand to be next to them, but God has placed your destiny wrapped up in them, and there's a word in them that God wants to speak to you, but you can't get it because you regarded them after the flesh. See, if we would learn to, to regard one another correctly, it would level the playing field, and I would see you differently. For instance, let me get very practical. You saw the people in the shirt that said greeter. If you only regard them after the, uh, the natural, you'll go, they're just a greeter. Because i got news for you. Most people that I know go to church with one hope. If I could just get the preacher to give me a word. If I could just get the pastor to pray for me, then all my issues will be resolved. But what if your miracle is wrapped up in the person wearing the greeter shirt? What if your miracle was wrapped up in the janitor? Oh, y'all don't understand where I'm coming from. I've been part of a church where nobody would talk to the janitor. They didn't like the janitor. They, they, it was just the person that cleaned up. But what if that person had a word of wisdom or knowledge? What if that person was the one that was assigned by God to lay their hands on me and me to get my miracle? If I, if I regard them after the natural, I'll miss it. So what that means is, is that we've got to open up our eyes and begin to see people differently. If we would just mind our manners, three things would happen. One, we would treat people better. I'd no longer be able to ignore the, uh, the usher. Oh, they're just an usher. Oh, they're just a, they're just a, 
whatever. No, we would treat people differently. The, the second thing that would happen is if we would learn this manner, the second thing that happened is we would see more Jesus around us. If I would just see you as who you really are, which is a carrier of Jesus, when I come together like this, everywhere I look, I would see Jesus everywhere. And third, titles would no longer matter. Oh, I'm, I know I'm preaching against the church you grew up in, but in most churches it's all about title and position and who's got the thing on the end of their name. Listen, if, if I would just understand that the, the same Jesus that lives in the pastor is the same Jesus that lives in the children's worker and the same Jesus that lives in the, in the talented musician is the same Jesus that lives in the person that opened the door for you. When you got here this morning, I would realize that the playing field is level. And the titles don't matter. That means when you're ready to go to the hospital, and I hope you'll call me and tell me you're going, but if, what, what if I can't go? And what if, what if the janitor shows up at your hospital room? Well, now I'm going to die. No, what if, what if the janitor's got a word and, and, a, and, a, and an assignment from God to be the person that lays it, and you get up if we don't see people correctly? So the first house manner is regard. The second one we certainly don't talk about much anymore. It's house manner number two, respect. Second R. I'm on a roll. Romans chapter 13 verse 7 says, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We must mind our Manners. This house will is established and set up to operate on honor. We acknowledge and we thank those people who deserve honor. If you want to get on my nerves, and I, I, I use the word ire in the first. Y'all still know that word? We don't use that word. If you want to get my ire up or if you want to get God's anger up, let me, t- let me tell you a quick way to do it. Complain about a volunteer. People that are giving of their time, who are showing up early, staying late, who while you're going to go eat this afternoon once church is over, they're still here cleaning up, straightening chairs, doing what volunteers do without any pay. Uh, Gripe about them. Because that, you're going to have to look way deep inside of me to see Jesus then because that is going to get my ire up because you got to understand we're supposed to give honor to whom honor is due. And the scripture says that we honor first and foremost, we are supposed to honor those that labor, labor among us. And, and so let me get real practical with you this morning. During this Thanksgiving season, I think what you ought to do is you ought to pick some folks that labor faithfully. Can I, can I give you some examples? Like, let me give, clue you in. Our worship team doesn't get paid to worship. They do it for free. They rehearse and they practice and they sing, not because it's a gig. They get here early and they stay late because they want to worship God. And I think we got one of the best teams around, and I think we ought to say thank you every now and then. I, 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 our children's workers, while you're in here, you ought to be so thankful for our children's workers because that means that you can leave your kids and relax and understand they're in good hands and you don't have to smell the dirty, dirty diaper next to you right now and the kid's not wailing out in the middle of the service because somebody's ministering to them. They're not babysitting. They're ministering to them. Did you know that none of our children's workers get paid? We ought to say thank you. We ought to honor them. Our ushers don't get paid. Our greeters don't get paid. Uh, people, sir... Woody and, and, and Jesse, they get paid a little bit, but let me just tell you, they're getting tipped. 
because they ain't getting paid what they're worth, and they work long hours. And while you're asleep in your bed, they're at, your, they're at a lock-in with your kids. We ought to say thank you to them. People that make coffee, Steve and Sherry make coffee every Sunday morning. They need help, by the way. Want a ministry? They need somebody to help. They don't get paid for that. We ought to honor folks like that. And so I want to challenge you the same way I challenged the early service. I'm challenging you. This won't cost you diddly squat about two minutes of your time. During this Thanksgiving Christmas season, take a card and write somebody. Allow the Holy Spirit to direct you to write and thank somebody that's out of sight, that nobody ever stops and says thank, and you be the one. That's, more, that's worth more than a $100 check, I promise. Because we want to be based on honor. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, because, see, this honor thing trickles down into our whole life. He says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. In other words, we don't jockey for position. We honor each other above ourselves. That, that, goes, that flies in the face of traditional church. Do you understand that? Most churches don't operate that way. It's all about me getting mine and me getting my name up in lights and me getting more stage time and let me have the microphone and sing my special. No, we honor one another above ourselves, and that trickles down into every relationship. Oh, I'm going to get an amen here. Like, young people, that means you honor your parents. In fact, that dictates how long you get to live in more ways than one. That dictates how long you get to live. Uh, that's not my rule, that's God's rule. That uh, trickles down into our marriages because the, we're, we're instructed, husbands, respect your wives, honor your wives, and wives, honor your husbands. And I gave them this for free this morning. Can I give it to you free? Women, I've never met a man yet that lives up to nagging. But they will live up to honor. You begin to brag about them and something happens. Boy, they bow up and they'll do what you brag about. Isn't it interesting that God's word applies to our whole life? If we would just mind our manners, our church life would be better and our house life would be better. Third, the third R. Manner number three is to resolve. I'm going to read a passage of scripture to you that I've read on numerous occasions. I'm going to expand it a little bit. I've read it to you at least once and maybe twice every year since we started this church. I'm going to continue to do so. Until we get it. And I'll explain why here in a second. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that, they, that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch, confront him with the need for repentance, and offer against God's forgiving Love, verses 18 through 20. I haven't read this part with this before. Take this most seriously. A yes on earth is yes in heaven. A no on earth is no in heaven. What you say to one another is eternal. I mean this, when two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action, and when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. I've read to you about what to do when somebody hurts you. Can I, can I tell you something? I've been in church work almost all my life, and nothing shocks me anymore. I've heard it all. There's some crazy stuff that goes on in church. 
The reason I'm going to continue to read this to you over and over and over again is because there's still one thing that shocks me about God's house. You ready for this? Here's what shocks me. Our inability to resolve relationship issues. I don't understand that. Because here, here's the church that I know. If somebody hurts your feeling, you will quit church, pack the family. It doesn't matter that you've been blessed. It doesn't matter that everything has gone right. It doesn't matter that your kids are growing. It doesn't matter that your spouse is growing. If somebody hurts my feelings, I'm going to pick them all up. I'll root them, uproot them, and I'll go to another church thinking that because I relocated, everything will be all right. And all we do is we just drag our baggage from one house to the next. Well, they didn't ask me what carpet color to put down, and I don't like gray carpet. The pastor cut his eyes at me when he was preaching, and we get hurt. Why can't, as believers, we mind our manners and understand that God has called us to resolve relationship issues and to go and talk to one another? Why will we just up and leave and think that everything will be okay? Oh, if I just worship enough, the grudge will go away. No, it won't. If I just pray enough, everything will be all right. No, it won't. In fact, Matthew chapter 5 says that before you can worship and before you can pray, you're supposed to leave all your gifts at the altar and go and find that person. And I hate this part. If you know the person has ought against you, well, I didn't do anything. They just got to get over it. No. Grow up. Mind your manners. If they have ought against you, you go to them. And then if you have ought against them. So you're dead if you do, dead if you don't. Either way you go, it's your obligation, your responsibility to grow up enough and to mind your manners enough to go and resolve the issue. I... Um, I worked in a church. I won't tell you where it's at. You don't need to know. I worked in a church. When you talk about that church, I hear this. Every time I've ever talked about this church with anybody that's ever visited, they will tell you these things. Perfect location, perfect building, more money than they know what to do with, and some extremely influential people attending there. And then here's the, here's the caveat. They always say, they have so much potential. Well, I worked there for a long time. I know why they can't fulfill their potential. You know why? Because there are relationships in that church that have been messed up for decades, plural. 30 and 40 years of people that will not sit on the same side of the sanctuary. They will go out of their way to miss conversation. I've, I've watched them go down a hallway and turn into a room real quick, quick. And then when they go past, they come back out and keep going the way they were going. Y'all think I'm playing. I'm just telling you the truth. And you know what happens when houses don't know how to mind their manners? They have forfeited their destiny for decades. And I refuse to allow that to happen here. You're just going to have to get used to it. We're going to resolve our issues. Why can people out there be honest and that don't even know Jesus and they'll walk up and tell you what you did and how you did it and then they'll also tell you where to go afterwards. But at least they're man enough or woman enough to tell you what you did. Why can't we do that in the house of God? Listen, there's a portion of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 3, it says this, It is a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. I've just decided there are a lot of houses 
that dot the landscape of our nation that call themselves churches that are full of a bunch of, y'all figure that out here in just a second, they're full of fools. Because they love to quarrel. They'll quarrel over everything. You didn't fold the bulletin in half. You, you, you see what he did to the bulletin? He folded it four times. Resolve relationships. It's a house manner. Oh, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Why? Well, I told you I read some scriptures that expanded. I had never connected verses 18 through 20. I understand verses 15 through 17 that says, if, I, if I've got a hurt, go work it out. I understand all that. I had never put verses 18 through 20 with it where it says, my yes is a yes in heaven. My no is a no in heaven. I, I, how does that apply? Those are different. Ver- no, they go together. Two things I want you to learn. Number one, what we say to one another lasts forever. I didn't say that. God said that. Did you know if we would understand that, that it would change what we say to one another? And then secondly, it says, says, and when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I will be there. So what that must mean is that God's presence is determined and dependent upon whether or not we're together. Can I just share a little secret with you? You can be in the same room and not be together. Oh, I just walked into somebody's bedroom right there. You can be in the same room and not be together. And God says, listen, if you would just get together, I'll show up. And God honors his word. And the reason we don't have his presence all the time is because we're not together. So I want to challenge you this morning that we have got to get together. I think we are pretty much. But the way that we get together and stay together is we resolve our issues in house manner number four, and I'll be done. Fourth R, Woody. I'm your daddy. <clears throat> manner number four, restore. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Listen carefully. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. In other words, what God is saying is that grace is a mandated manner. We must become a house full of grace because the truth is is that we're not always going to mind our manners. I got news for you. There's going to be a day when you're not going to like me very much. And there's going to be some time that you're going to do something in the house and you're going to go, you know, I ought to be honored for this because I worked really hard. And guess what? The pastor's going to miss it. I'm type A. I, th- I have a million. Even right now, I'm, I'm working next week. This is the way I'm wired. I can't stop it. My mind is going a million directions. I'm putting things in order right now. And I might miss the fact that you carried out a trash bag on that Sunday morning and I was supposed to stop service and say thank you. How are we supposed to deal with people when they don't live up to our expectations? How are we supposed to handle our relationships when somebody makes us mad? When they were supposed to honor us and didn't? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to operate on manner number four, which is offer grace. We, we don't sing it much anymore. There's an old song that said, Amazing Grace. 
I got news for you. I need amazing grace every day. For me to deal with you, I got to have grace. For you to deal with me, you better have a boatload of grace. That's the house manner. That's how I can see past all your mess and see Jesus in you and see the destiny in you and see the potential in you is because I'm operating on grace. Because if it wasn't for grace, none of us would be here. That's why people can walk in these doors in sin. That's why people can walk in here and mess up and we still offer grace. And we save our critical comments for ourselves. Because comments are like opinions or some other term that people use. (laughs) Everybody has one. Y'all figure that one out later too. We all have our own opinions about how things ought to be. I kind of like my opinion. I kind of think my opinion is right. But so do you. So how do we live together in harmony? Grace. So can I tell you what I want for Christmas? Here's what I want for Christmas. I want Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 33 to become the description of this house. I think we're, we're there. I think, I think you would say the same thing. And I think we're getting close, but I want to hammer it home. This is where I want us to live as a body, as a house. It says this. The whole congregation of believers was united as one. One heart. One mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine. You can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus. And listen to this. And grace was on them all. I like the King James here. It says, and great grace was on them. If I can have what I want for Christmas is this, that passion and the people of passion will learn to mind our manners. And we will regard one another after the spirit, not the flesh. And we will respect and honor those who deserve honor. And we will resolve all of our relationship issues. And forth. we will be a people of grace. And when people walk in, they'll go, I want to be a part of that house. Because they operate in grace. Anybody else in here need grace? Want me to name you? <laughs> I won't do that. I'll operate in grace. We got to have it. To be a productive member of the house. To be blessed. To not be reprimanded. You got to know the manners. Here's my challenge. You say, well, Steve, you hadn't called us to the altar lately during this series. No, I'm not going to. These are kind of messages you got to go home and chew on. Because this is different than most churches I've ever been a part of. We got to learn a different system here. And so here's my challenge to you. The people that you're looking at right now, the back of their beautiful head, when they turn and face you here in a few moments, see past the external and see deep inside of them and regard them correctly. I don't necessarily have the word for you. They might. And if you don't see them correctly, you'll miss it. Second, give honor to whom honors do. Listen, I've wasted your time for the last... I don't know, 45 minutes? If you don't act out what we're talking about. And so I challenge you to respect somebody, to give honor to whom honor is due. Write a note. Call them up. 
corner them and say, thank you for what you do. Even if you don't have children, you ought to make your way to the nursery or to the kids' building and say, thank you for what you do for our kids. And let's operate in honor. Third, grow up and resolve your issues. If somebody in the room or outside this room has hurt you, deal with it. Because as long as you don't, you can't worship and you can't pray. Don't look at me like that. I didn't say that. God said that. And fourth, when all else fails, I challenge you this morning. Operate in grace. Would you stand with me? Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. We have to operate according to the house manners. What if your destiny is wrapped up in somebody you don't like? Whom should you pay honor to? Who do you have a problem with? And are you a person of grace that will extend the same mercy that you received? Will he give it freely? Father, I pray that you would sink your word into us. God, we're trying to mature here. Your word declares that we're supposed to move from milk to meat. I pray that we would begin to grow up and live by the manners that you've mandated for us. I pray that this house, every person under the sound of my voice, all the members of this house, the way you fit us together, I pray that we would become people that would operate with a spirit of regard. We would regard one another. And when somebody, when we see the idiosyncrasies and the faults, God, we'll see past all of that and we will see Jesus all around us. We won't base our respect on titles and positions. We'll understand that the playing field is level. The same Jesus that lives in the person with the title lives in the person without the title. And they may have a word. They may have a gift. They may have destiny wrapped up. And help us to regard and to respect them. God, I pray that we would be thankful. I pray a spirit of gratitude would come over us and we would stop and we would thank the sound team and we would stop and thank the people that make the coffee and we'd stop and thank those that take care of our kids and we would we would thank those that sing and play we would become a house based on gratitude and respect and father i come against every broken relationship in this house and i pray that you would resolve it in the name of jesus and God, I pray that you'd help us to grow up enough to understand we can't worship the grudge away and we can't worship the pain away. And we can't pray enough to get rid of those feelings. We've got to go and deal with it face to face. And we refuse to pull out and to go away thinking that that will resolve it. Let us grow up enough to resolve our issues because we understand that what we say to one another is eternal and we understand that your presence here is determined by whether or not we're together. God, most of all, let great grace rest on us all. And Father, we'll worship you. And we'll expect you to show up because you live in what you build. 
in Jesus' name. A couple of instructions, and then I'm going to give you one final one let you go. Number one, if you're visiting with us, make sure you see one of those gracious greeters with the shirts that say greeter on them. And get your cookies. If you're here the second time, come and see the guy that says preacher on his shirt and get your free pizza. Get your drive card on the way home and talk about what we've talked about today. If you need special prayer this morning, need somebody to believe with you, we've got prayer partners and warriors standing in the west lobby. You can exit this sanctuary, turn left, and they're standing there waiting to pray for you. Get one of those angel tree cards and bless somebody less fortunate than you. Here's your final instructions. Would you find three people on your way out this morning? Look them square in the eyes. Say it mean. Or say it with grace, whichever one lines up with the word. Figure that one out. And say, mind your manners. And then you're free to go. God bless you. Thank you for being here. He's going to do in us from the heavens above. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 